Well, it's looking as if this is shaping up to be one of the saddest summers of my life. Selfish and self-righteous people have been hardened into hatred against people who love life so much that they also seek to preserve the lives of all people. These hard people are calling for a summer of rage. I'll leave it at that, but it's hard to understand. In their insistence on their right to choose their own standards of morality, they are calling those who believe that all people are given dignity and deserve to live because they're created in the image of God. They are saying these are the most evil people on earth who must wake up to their standard of right and wrong. But I believe that pro-choice people, sadly, sadly, are real-life examples of the prophetic warning. And I've given you the reference in the sermon outlines, but every time I read this, it's chilling. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. And I'm afraid that's what's happening in our country today. Pro-abortionists are also seeking to destroy genuine love and peace. Not all people crave love and peace. I've never met anybody that didn't want love and peace. But the sad reality of this is that no one, no one can obtain these by human means and efforts. It's been tried throughout all the century and millennia. It doesn't work. All human efforts of bringing about love and peace will end in failure and frustration. That is why people who know God through Jesus by the grace given by the Holy Spirit must pray for faith from the faithful Savior to respond to this rage that may be happening this summer, this rage of deeply wounded and hurting people, and I'm convinced that's the problem. We must pray for help. Disciples of Jesus must show love to people who are enslaved to the God of the self, and they must speak life-giving peace into this dangerous moment in the history of our nation. By continual prayer in the Holy Spirit, some of these wounded souls may actually be healed by the one who healed so many people when he walked on this earth 2,000 years ago. Now, the portion of the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches in Rome in the first century that we've just heard read for us, speaks directly to what is happening in America in the 21st century. And this should not surprise us one little bit because you see the Roman Empire, from what little I know of history, was even more selfish and immoral than what we see happening now. Now, to just sum it up, and we'll go deeper, but our passage clearly states the only, the only way for people to be made right with God is to have faith in the faithful Messiah. 
in all people from all nations who receive this faith by God's grace enter into a new relationship with God and are given his peace and love, what we all desire and crave. And as a result, we can boast with joy even in tribulations. Now, this all began, all began um, when God's son, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, died on behalf of people while they were still selfish, while they were still sinners. I heard a sermon in seminary from a classmate once on this passage, and isn't that mind-boggling? He didn't wait for us to get good enough to be saved right when we're all at our worst. He chose to die for us to reconcile us to him. That is the most wonderful example of love that there's ever been. And this is the same Messiah we heard at the end who commanded those who are burdened. And aren't we all sometimes burdened by the pressure of living to come under his yoke and to receive the rest they need. And now let's go deeper into our passages. Uh, I've broken this up. It seems to make sense to handle this in two parts. The first part is the portion of chapter 3 we heard in the beginning of chapter 5. And they can be summed up this way. People are justified by faith, resulting in peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And firm in his grace, they have hope because of God's love through the Holy Spirit. So first, Romans 3, the paragraph we heard said, people from all nations are justified by faith. Let's take it line by line what the apostle wrote here. He says, we are considering man justified by faith independent of works of Torah. People are made righteous by faith. And he says, this is independent of works, okay? Doing God's instructions, which is what the Torah is, that is the result of faith, not the way to faith. First comes faith, then comes the works. And then God of Jews only, not also of nations, yes, of all nations, Now, this is nothing new. Who is God's chosen people? The apostle is saying both Jews and non-Jews are made right with God by faith. And if you remember way back in the beginning of the historical part of scripture, Genesis chapter 12, God calls Abraham, called Abram at the time, gives a sevenfold promise, and he says, all nations will be blessed through him. All nations, not just Israel. Then Paul continues, since one God will justify circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. Now, this threw me for a loop when I looked at it. Why is Paul using two different prepositions, one for circumcision in Jews and a different one for nations? 
Well, I did a little bit of research. I don't have any commentaries on Romans, so I went online. Well, first of all, remember, through Moses, God commanded his circumcised people to circumcise their hearts. Again, it's not just what's outside and what's physically. It's what's inside of us. That's in Deuteronomy. However, over time, centuries, millennia, by unfaithfulness, they often were defeated and went into exile. So they must live by faith. That goes back to Moses. But now that Messiah has come, non-Jews, uncircumcised, people of all the rest of the nations are made right with God by his faithfulness to die on the cross on our behalf. Through Christ, through faith in the faithful Messiah, Jesus Christ, nations are being made right with God. So one is the means, the other is through the faith of him, we receive faith. But it really is kind of all one and the same. Secondly, going to Romans 5, which is in the same page in my Bible, those having been justified by faith are having peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and standing strong in his grace. They have unashamed hope because of God's love through the Holy Spirit. So let's... Take it line by line, verse by verse. Therefore, having been made right by faith, back in chapter 3, we're having peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Again, peace with God is the result or the fruit of being made right with God through the faithfulness of Messiah, our Lord. All are made right by means of faith and all receive peace through a relationship with the Savior. And I love when people give testimonies and they talk about they knew about Jesus and then they came to know him, to know him in a personal relationship, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we have stood and we are gladly boasting in the hope of the glory of God. There's three things here. I looked up this word access. It's one of those words, I think I know what it means, but I had no clue what it means. Well, in this context, it is granted by one of a much higher station in life to one of a lower station. In other words, God is God, the creator of everything. But through Christ and through his faithfulness to accomplish his mission to earth, we now, the created ones, the creature, who are below God, we have access to him through Jesus Christ. And then he talks about standing in grace, the ability to have a long-standing and current access to the peace of God, which is the first fruit we just considered. It is by his gracious gift of faith. Faith is a gift, people, a gift we should be so grateful for. And then he says, we boast in hope. Now, this is a very complicated word. It's not proud bragging, 
but it's actually something that brings us great joy because of what he did. And so we're boasting really in him. The end result is boasting joyfully in the hope of the glory of God. And this is the glory all who have lived by faith will have with God forever and eternity. And God doesn't do any coincidences. He doesn't make any mistakes. As I say that statement, I'm just thinking of this past week. And some of us are enjoying that glory now, and we have the same hope someday. Not only, but also, we are boasting and glorifying in tribulation. I think this is what separates Christians more than anything else from non-Christians. I've heard people who don't know our Lord talk about going through trials and tribulations and they have no hope and they may believe in God and they're saying, what is God doing? I don't know what's going on. I'm at the end of myself. Peace with God by faith also gives the ability to boast in multiple tribulations. Oh, not in the tribulations themselves. No one can glory in great trials. But what these tribulations produce, and that's the next thing that the apostle addresses. He says, those living by faith have known that tribulation is working out endurance. And endurance proof, and proof hope. So there's four steps happening here. First comes sharing in Messiah's tribulations, which Paul models for the churches and talks about in Colossians. This tribulation works endurance in those who are living by faith. And this endurance and tribulation is proof to themselves and others of the genuineness of their faith, which results in being filled with sure hope by faith. And from this hope, Paul goes on to say, hope is not ashamed because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit having been given to us. All who have gone through this growth in grace by faith are not being ashamed, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation. And now Paul gets totally personal. And he joins with all people living by faith to declare the love of God is being poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, the first gift in this paragraph of grace by faith is peace with God. And now he's saying his love comes through the Holy Spirit. Bottom line, big truth. God's love and peace are through the Holy Spirit And I just remembered when we said the creed, the Holy Spirit was sent by the Father and the Son, three in one God, working together. Now, the second half of our passages this morning, 
concludes Romans and brings in the passage from the Gospel of Matthew. Because Christ died for the ungodly, God is showing his love to us while we're still sinners. And then Jesus commanded burdened people to take his yoke on them, and they will find a resting place. First, let's finish up our Romans passage. When we were not having strength, Christ died for the ungodly. God showing his love to us while we are still sinners to reconcile us to himself. Again, line by line, Paul continues, for our being still without strength. Further Christ in season on behalf of the ungodly, he died. Okay, the cross is so important. Messiah died for all people still being weak and still putting themselves above God. That's part of our human nature. We want to be number one. Then he says, because rarely on behalf of a righteous person will someone die. And for on behalf of someone who's also good, maybe someone might dare to die. And all I can see here is the contrast. The contrast between people and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Humanly speaking, it's extremely unlikely anyone would die for someone righteous or even someone who's good as well as righteous. What a contrast between us humans and God's son, the Lord of the universe. Here's a simple, profound truth. Messiah died for the benefit of weak people who do not, Always consider him in all he has done. Okay, the the Apostle Paul continues, but God is showing his love to us in that while we were being sinners, it's in the present continuous tense, on behalf of us, again, Christ died, the cross, the cross, the cross, it's everything. God's love is shown. He demonstrated his strong, life-transforming love to us when his son, the Messiah, died on our behalf. While we are still being sinners, putting our selfish needs above him. And then he says, much more, having been justified by his blood, his lifeblood, his death, we will be saved through him from wrath. Okay, being righteous and saved, all who live through the faithfulness of Messiah, God counts as righteous by faith. Faith in his death on their behalf, on our behalf. He paid for and covered sins, and this saves them from God's wrath on those who continue to just disobey him in unbelief. And then Paul continues, for if being enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, but the death of God's son for his enemies on the cross reconciled them. And again, this is a very rich word. It means to be changed from an enemy to a friend. 
That's the gracious work of God in the cross through reconciliation. We who were once enemies of God can now be his friends. What a wonderful thought. And Paul makes it personal for the churches in Rome. He says, we were reconciled. And then having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. The rest of the verse. Notice the reconciliation and salvation are not brought about by anything we do. The faithful Jesus did all the work for us. But here's our application. Let's bring it forth to the 21st century in this room. We must enjoy the change in relationship with God made possible by faith in the work of the faithful Messiah on the cross on our behalf. So as we enjoy what he's done, that leads to salvation and peace with God, enjoying his love. These are gifts from God through the Holy Spirit and how God saved us and why God saved us. Again, God's love and peace are through the Holy Spirit who comes into every person who repents and turns to him in faith. And then Paul concludes this section of chapter 5. And not only this, but we also are boasting in joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now reconciliation we have received. Now, this is in the passive tense. When we, by grace, put our faith in him, God gives us as a gift. We need to take it, but it's his action we can have um, reconciliation. So now, people, let us join with Paul in the churches in Rome and joyfully boasting in God because we have through faith made his son the Lord and Savior of our life. And so we have been changed from enemies to friends of God We have received his peace and love through the Holy Spirit, reconciliation, change of status. Friends with peace and love. God's love and peace are through the Holy Spirit. And now let's go back to this uh, well-known passage in Matthew, in the gospel. Jesus commanded burdened people to take his yoke on them and learn from him and they will find promise, a resting place for their souls. So Jesus starts, come to me. Those, all those working and having been burdened and I will give relief to you all. Burdened, Jesus exhorts all who are working and have been forced to carry a heavy load of trouble by circumstances, by whatever reason. But Jesus is offering refreshing rest. But notice, notice, he's not necessarily saying this will be an end to the troubles, but the rest will be in the troubles. It will be there. And he says two commands. You all must take my yoke upon you all. And you must learn from me because I'm being meek and lowly in heart and you will find rest for the souls of you all. I think God's Southern, actually, from what I've read. Now, 
taking his yoke on us means we are always willing to do what he wants us to do because we know, and this comes by experience sometimes the hard way, but we can come to know his plan for our lives is better than ours. Whatever we think we really need, don't get disappointed if you don't get it because God has something better in mind. And also Jesus is the teacher and the living word of God. So we must learn from him. There's no other teacher like Jesus. Learn from him. Learn from him. And then um, he's the servant Lord again. Christ, the Messiah, is not like human lords. He says he's gentle, he's kind, he's considerate, he has a human heart. And what is the promise? For those who will take this yoke on themselves and learn from him, the promise is they will find relief from their anxiety due to the burden of the heavy Troubles that they're experiencing in this life. So whenever we're going through troubles and we don't know what's going on, stay yoked to Jesus. Keep learning from him because Jesus gives rest to the burdened. And then he concludes, because my yoke is suitably pleasant and my burden is light. Again, let me say it. I said it from the Paul passage. This is from Jesus' own mouth. Christ is not human. Yes, he took on a human body. Yes, he lived as a human among us, but he lived as a perfect human. None of us can claim that. Proud humans force others to work beyond their capacity to get the power and prestige they crave. But Jesus is above the dictum that I first heard in eighth grade Absolute power corrupts absolutely. No, that's humanly speaking. The almighty, all-powerful God is not one bit corrupted. He is full of gracious love for people. Let's receive it. You see, instead, Jesus is saying, all who yoke themselves to him to do what he desires them to do, they will find that he will give them help and he will do the greater part of the work that he assigns to them, that he assigns to us. He will help us to love our enemies as we join him in his battle to assure that all people get to live from conception to death. So I've come back to where I've started. Don't despair, don't give up. Speak the truth in love. Show people the importance of life, life that's in Christ, who's the way, the truth, and the life. To wrap it up, people of all nations are made right with God by means of faith in the faithful Messiah who died for people who are still sinning even, without strength, separated from God. I'm afraid that's the majority of our world today. But the result of faith is a new and changed relationship with God. So people with faith receive God's love and peace in the Holy Spirit. I said in the beginning, I believe this with all my heart, everyone craves love and peace. Where is love and peace? 
in the Holy Spirit, in Jesus. It comes from God. It's a gift. Let us receive that gift.